0: Hello, Uh, this is your long-established Bible teaching program, Search for Truth. So many thanks for the pleasure of your company today. It's great to have you with us. Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher, continues your series of talks called Jesus, as son over God's house, which is about the present and unique relationship the Lord Jesus Christ can have with his disciples in the world today. As usual, there's a transcript booklet to go with the series, If you'd like one, I'll be telling you how to obtain it later in the programme, so have pen and paper to hand. Now Today's talk is on the subject of Jesus, the Son of God's house, and it's called The Fellow Over God's Fellowship. And here's Brian to tell us more. Thanks, John. The letter to the Hebrews describes those who are brothers of
1: Christ. It also describes those who are fellows of Christ. Let's consider for a moment the verses from which these facts are drawn. First of all, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So all who relate to God as their heavenly Father have the gracious privilege of being owned by Christ, their personal Saviour, as being his brothers. This is true of all born-again believers, that is, all who belong to the church, which is biblically called the body of Christ, at the end of Ephesians chapter 1. But as well as the letter speaking about those who are brothers of Christ, as we said, it also speaks about those who are fellows of Christ. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, where we read God speaking, God the Father addressing his Son, and saying, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Now, the question we'll be asking today is, who are those companions or fellows of Christ? For sure, the Bible here tells us that the Father has anointed Christ over his fellows. But who are these fellows who are being referred to? And what's the difference anyway between being called a brother of Christ and being called a fellow of Christ? Is there really any difference? Renowned Bible scholar, W. E. Vine, he of expository dictionary fame, says about this word, the word fellows, that it marks an even closer relationship than brethren. But who are in that relationship with Christ? We're going to need to try, purely from the context of the Hebrews letter, to see if we can identify precisely who these fellows are. There's no shortage of candidates, of course. We've been saying all along that the big message of the letter to the Hebrews is that Jesus is better. And we've seen already that this applies to prophets, priests, kings and angels. So is this a case of Jesus being said to be honoured above all other prophets, priests and kings? Are they his fellows in the sense that he too was a prophet and is both a priest and a king? The opening chapter of this letter also sets out to demonstrate the great gulf between Jesus and the angels. But in what sense can they be his fellows? None, surely. Some might think there's yet another possibility, because the Old Testament talks about Jesus as a fellow together with the two other members of the Godhead, the Father and the Spirit. But straight away we have to dismiss that from contention here, There's no way biblically in which Jesus could be exalted over the other persons of the Godhead. As we read the context in Hebrews surrounding where we have the words which tell us that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows or companions, we find the very same word being used again and again. It's not always translated into English as fellows or companions, but sometimes as sharers or partakers. The main point is that all these variants in English come from the same underlying word in the original language. And they're all used in the same section of Hebrews. That's the important point. For we're not at liberty to identify the different meanings of words when they occur in different contexts all over the Bible. But if the same word is used often in the same section, it most likely does mean the same thing in each place. So let's trace them here then. At the beginning of Hebrews chapter 3 we read, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And in chapter 3 and verse 13, we are told, Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So there we have it. The fellows of Christ are the partakers of Christ who are sharers of a heavenly calling. Same word in all three cases. And obviously, these are the very people to whom the author is writing this letter in the first place. In other words, these words... Apply to Jewish Christians in the first century churches of God. We've often made the point that all the local churches we read of in the New Testament were closely linked together, such that all those in them all formed one single New Testament community, one that's variously described as a nation or kingdom or priesthood or house for God. In that connection, I want to draw your attention to a verse in First Corinthians chapter 1, And verse 9, which says, God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. That was from my usual Bible version, the NESV, but allow me to repeat the reading from the English Standard Version. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarrelling among you, my brothers. The difference I want you to notice there is found in verse 9. Was the Apostle Paul talking about the believers at Corinth enjoying fellowship with the Lord Jesus in their daily lives? Or did he intend to describe them as representing the overall fellowship of New Testament believers owned by the Lord Jesus and to which they belonged by virtue of them being in the local church of God at Corinth? Obviously, as we've demonstrated by using two different translations, either meaning is grammatically possible. But which makes the most sense in the flow of the Apostles' original argument? Some New Testament scholars support the fellowship of believers idea by reasonably using verse 10 as confirmation. It's there in the passage that the writer goes on to refer very concretely to a fellowship of believers such as existed at Corinth, one which should have been without divisions, but which sadly wasn't. The next verse is certainly talking about the state of the local fellowship of believers. And I believe that's correct, as it fits perfectly with the overall New Testament context which we've already noted. You remember how we spoke of all the Church of God believers in all the different locations having a sense of overall community. They all belonged to the one community. It's that community or fellowship as something which rightly belonged to the Lord Jesus that's being referred to here. Each believer then had been called into this distinct community through the call of the Lord and the Gospel. Together, in this community, they were sharers of such a heavenly calling. So believers in any first century local Church of God fellowship belonged to the overall fellowship, the fellowship of the Lord Jesus. We can confirm this from day one of the history of churches of God as we refer back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 where we read that the first disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all who believed were together. As much as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching they also devoted themselves to the fellowship where they enjoyed such togetherness. This was no casual fellowship. It literally was the fellowship. Something very definite and tangible is being referred to here. In fact, there's a practical demonstration of this by analogy that we can take from the Gospel by Luke in chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. This, you may remember, was the time when Jesus had commanded Peter to go fishing. Despite Peter, the experienced fisherman, thinking it would be a waste of time. But go he did. And with the result we've just read about, so many fish were caught that they needed to call on their partners or fellows. Same word as in the Hebrew's letter. Needed to call on their help. So this word, which we've been exploring today, certainly was used of a business partnership. Biblical church fellowship is to be a similar commitment to to each other, but most importantly, to the Lord whose fellowship it is. Remember, this exploration has been about establishing that in Hebrews, the Lord Jesus is being described as being over his fellows. I hope we've shown conclusively that the readers of that letter were the fellows being referred to, that is, those who were in the first century churches of God, It's not referring to prophets or angels or any others. Jesus being anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows is a statement regarding our Lord's position over the New Testament community, over the entire fellowship of churches of God. In other words, over the fellowship into which the faithful God had called these believers who'd faithfully followed the apostles' teaching. They'd been called into something existing in this world but which belonged to our Lord. Now what was it W.E. Vine had said about the privilege of being fellows in this fellowship? He said, it marks an even closer relationship than brethren. I believe he was absolutely correct, for the fellowship in question is the fellowship of God's earthly house, over which Jesus Christ is here said to be the Son.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's study and if you have any comments or questions about today's uh, talk, Brian would be pleased to help or if you'd like to send for the transcript booklet which goes with this series, which merits uh, further study, then please ask for the title Jesus as Son over God's House. There are also back issues of other booklets which you might like to download via the internet or order through Amazon and I'll tell you how to do this in a moment. But first, if you've pen and paper to hand, here's our postal and email address. Search for truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, L E five six L N, United Kingdom. And now here's our email address: S F T at Churches of God dot info. Now, if you go to www Searchfortruth.org.uk, you can download audio versions of some past programs. Uh, this is our church website where you can also access additional helpful material, and some titles of Search for Truth booklets can also be obtained at Amazon. If you go to Amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks, just type Search for Truth Studies into the search box where you'll find a growing list of transcript books from previous programmes is available. Now, if you send for a booklet, of course, all these details, all these websites and so on, are printed on the uh, the back cover. Thanks once more for the privilege of your company today, and I hope you'll join us again next week, if you can. But until then, it's very best wishes from Brian and from David our musicians, and from me, John. So goodbye, and may God richly bless you.